like, oh, the day my baby turns four months, they're not going to sleep anymore because everything changes. And that's totally not the case. Like starting at six weeks, the baby starts making their own melatonin where before they just were having it from the mom. With people, when we talk about birth experiences, they might be minimizing their trauma because we've been taught intergenerationally that this is just how it is. Right. Oh yeah, like the doctor made that decision, didn't talk to you about it, of course. Or, oh yeah, you know, they used an implement that was extremely painful for you and uh, often unnecessary. That's just what they had to do, right? There's a normalization of trauma doesn't mean that it's any less traumatic. And everything would just get solved with birth control pills. But I kept feeling like this is counterproductive. Right. Grandmother, my great grandmother had 10 kids. Mm. My paternal grandmother had nine. So in my head, I'm thinking, you know, this, this is black people don't have this issue. I've mm. never heard of black people having this issue. Hey, welcome to the Push Through Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Reeves. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I own a group practice where we specialize in women's issues, maternal mental health, and all things wellness. Here on the podcast, we're gonna be talking about parenthood, how to take care of yourself, and a little bit of in-between things. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a quick chat with me. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Push Through Podcast. I am so excited to introduce my next guest, which is Eileen Lee. Eileen and I met at an um, event that we were both on a panel for January of this year and might have time gotten away from us, but I wanted her to come on the show because I was just taken aback by all of the information that she shared and her own personal story and because we talk about all things parenthood, motherhood, mental health, and balance, I thought she would be a perfect person to have on. And just to give a little bit of background about her, um, Eileen has a, a career start in um, being in the corporate space, and she created this amazing, co-founded an amazing co-working space here in Atlanta, Georgia called the Lola, which is beautiful. And you guys have like five-star reviews because I saw it online and everybody raves about it. <laughs> um, and we're going to dive into entrepreneurship and parenthood and just like really like finding a community and defining a career that supports the needs and the lifestyle that you want to live. Thank you, Eileen, for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Keisha. And this topic... I, I don't know. I think as parents and as, you know, entrepreneurs and, and workers, I think about it all the time. So I'm excited to do this. I know. Um, so just so our audience can know a little bit more about you, where are you originally from? Um, so I'm a born and raised New Yorker. Uh, my parents, are, I'm a first generation immigrant. They immigrated from South Korea in the 70s. So I've had a very traditional like tiger parents upbringing. So entrepreneurship was very much against the grain um, in my household. And I think my mom continues to not really um, understand and grasp what I do, but I provided her to granddaughters. That's <laughs> what matters for her. And then I moved to Atlanta um, with my husband about seven years ago. And we were in Manhattan and Brooklyn prior to that. And then we got here, we did all the things that I think New York City tends to like flow in your in adulting. So we got the dog. And then a few months later, we had our first daughter. 
And then um, we had a pandemic baby. So we have two girls. Oh yeah. I had a pandemic baby too. Um, okay. So how did you get into like the corporate space, like before starting entrepreneurship? Was it when you were in college? Was it what you majored in? How did all of that happen? I was, you know, when I, we just finished our summer internships. And when I look at some of the, uh, the kids who are in college now and how, um, aware they are with what they want to do, how they want to find something purposeful and impactful. I'm so impressed because when I was in college, I had no clue. In fact, I majored in economics, which really has nothing to do with business. Um, and it didn't really, I knew I wanted to get into business. I knew that I was never good at, um, academics. I'm better at learning by doing, um, but I still had no clue. So, you know, I went to undergrad in New York, everybody went into finance consulting, law or medicine. Um, I couldn't get a job or an interview um, at any of the investment banks. I think it was pretty obvious. I had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> um, and somehow consulting, I was terrible at the case studies that they had, but somehow I got an offer at Accenture. So I just was like thanking the stars that I got a job offer my senior year, second semester. Um, so I went into management consulting knowing literally nothing about anything. And didn't have any mentors or folks to um, ask questions about. So it was just like a deer in headlights. It's, it's kind of a miracle <laughs> that I came out of that. And I think I think a lot about, you know, um, even my husband and he's, you know, white and American. His parents are so good at, you know, helping him with his resume and talking through workplace, you know, relationships and conflicts. And I just didn't have that. My parents, the language barrier, they came oh, yeah. um, you know, after they went to school here. So they didn't, you know, even like simple things like, what do you do you put a zero or your, a one for your taxes? Like yeah. my parents didn't know that. Um, so yeah, I, I, it was challenging. It was really, there's so many unknowns and there was so much that I didn't know. I like, I, I don't know what I don't know. There was so much of that um, in my twenties. And then um, I got totally burnt out. Um, I, I worked at uh, management consulting. I traveled full time four to five days a week. I worked maybe 12 to 20 hours a day, um, client sites. Um, it was, it was pretty bad. And there's no, there were no women at the top. Um, and if they were senior positions, they did not have families. Um, so I got burnt out. I finally quit without any job prospects, which is the biggest no in my family. That is not that they raised me to do that. I mean, I mean it must've been, it, it showed evidence that it was bad enough that you had to quit. Yeah. And companies, big companies are really good at making sure that you have blinders on. So you do not understand and don't have the headspace or the time to look elsewhere. Um, so I ultimately felt like I needed to quit to kind of lift my head up and understand like what other careers are out there. I had no clue. Um, and then I serendipitously connected with um, my co-founder and business partner to start my first business in 2011. But I was a super naive, you know, 20 something who had the conviction about the idea and sort of the gap we were filling um, and learned everything then. And that sort of experience over six years of building it as a COO, um, that has changed my professional career trajectory. And now I just want to help build and launch companies. I love building communities. I love figuring out how to create a shared sort of value and sense of belonging. Um, and I think a lot of that is uh, growing up 
I didn't have that neighborhood community. I, we didn't have a lot of community. Um, and I think I always hungered for something like that. So now I'm just trying to create that wherever I go. I love that. Now tell us about the first company that you started. What what was it? It's um, it's a nonprofit. It's called Venture for America. And it's a two-year fellowship program where we recruit about 200 recent grads to 22-year-olds who want to get into entrepreneurship, but there's no direct path. So we have them apprentice themselves for two years, learn by doing, and we specifically partner with startups outside of New York and Silicon Valley. So cities that struggle to attract and retain young talent, because if you look at college graduates, they flock to the all, like, I think it's the top cities. It's New York, San Francisco, LA, Chicago, DC, et cetera. It's not even Atlanta. Oftentimes it's not Nashville or Baltimore or Detroit or New Orleans. And we partner with, um, startups in those ecosystems because they have amazing companies and founders that um, fellows can learn from. But again, it's not on their radar. So they work there as employees, entry-level employees for two years. And then whenever they're ready to start a company, Venture for America supports them with an accelerator. We have an incubator, um, an investment group. Um, And it's been, so building that over the first six years was amazing. Um, I did not truly understand the power of community until probably a year or two into doing that and looking around and seeing how we were able to recruit and support all these conscious entrepreneurs that will, who want to build meaningful companies and really change the world. Um, so that was really cool. If anything, I joke around, I spent six years supporting 22 year olds out of college and I didn't have kids at the time. And I was like, I'm really comfortable with, um, you know, coaching and mentoring and supporting 22 year olds. I have no idea what to do before that, but whenever I have kids, I'll be ready when they're 22. (laughs) And, and that, I mean, tell me what was like your mindset, like, because you left a traditional job. I mean, of course it wasn't like a nine to five, but it was something that you had a guaranteed check bi-weekly and like took the leap to start this amazing nonprofit. And granted, you didn't have the responsibilities of family, Was it something that you just kind of bet on yourself or kind of just push through any type of anxiety or worries about it? It was an emotional roller coaster. (laughs) I was, I was, I was burning through my savings. Um, You know, I was, had a, 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 my one bedroom apartment in Manhattan. So there was day, there were days where I would be on top of the world because it was such an amazing thing to work on something that, you know, would have such impact. And then there were days I'd be crying. (laughs) Mm. I was so stressed about financials. And again, it was so against everything that my parents taught me and raised me to do. Um, And unfortunately, I, you know, my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, he was my support system. Um, He was working at, you know, an advertising agency, and he would just like, listen to me have these crazy swings. And I remember something he said to me, he was like, so you lose all your money, you have to give up your apartment you know, that the company doesn't work. He's like, you can live with me. Like, I'll, I'll make sure you have a roof under your head. And I remember thinking like, who is this guy? Like how, (laughs) what kind of off? I've never had an offer like that. So I joke around for entrepreneurs, um, definitely get a partner and spouse who's a little bit more risk adverse. Okay. So starting the nonprofit, at what point did you decide to get married and start having a family? 
I got married during, so we, I somehow planned our wedding and I blacked out most of the times. So it was during the <laughs> early years of starting the company and launching it. And as a nonprofit, you know, a lot of things you have to do is like host big galas and events to like coming Fun out rate. and build your brand and fundraise. Exactly. So I think I spent more time on our annual gala than on our wedding. Um, so if I could do it all over again, I think it, it would have been a lot more fun. Um, but somehow we got married during the first few years of, of Venture for America. And um, we definitely, I think I, it was crazy hours as well. I'm, and I'm very much had the like mindset of I'm a workaholic. I'm fine with that. Um, so I came home late every day and, you know, a nonprofit were resource strapped. So I was a COO. I managed and hired and ran the company day to day. And then at night I would do payroll, insurance, oh. audit financials, you know, whatever it was. Um, so it was a miracle that my relationship sustained. <laughs> uh, yeah, sustained <laughs> for sure. And I think we definitely, in retrospect, probably um, delayed starting a family because of it. And, you know, at the time I wanted to be at that company forever. Um, I never wanted to leave. But, um, you know, I think one of my sort of, career professional goals is to become more self-aware of when it's not the best thing for you to stay at a job. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the best for you or the company as much as you love what you do and the impact you're making. It starts to wear on you and you're not the best person, right? You need like fresh energy, fresh ideas. And I definitely felt that kind of six years into being the COO. You just get tired. You get um, I say, I've said this before, but I don't want to be the old crotchety man where someone comes with a new fresh idea and I'm like, that's not how we do it. No, you know, yeah, yeah. that's, you know, and I'm proud to say our organization still exists. It's, it's, I left after the first six years, we celebrated our, um, 10th year anniversary, um, awesome. in 2021 and it's still thriving. So that's what you really want. You want to build something that lasts and, um, it was a very hard decision, but leaving it um, and moving to Atlanta um, was, you know, a big transition for me. And I came here and realizing and reflecting and journaling and coming to the conclusion of like, I think I want to start another business. Mm. And, and prior to starting the second business, you had already had one child. Uh, I was pregnant with our first one. I, um, my husband moved to Atlanta. He actually had got his dream job offer here. So we moved, I had never visited prior to that. Um, and then I stayed around, um, wrapped things up at work in New York. And I also, we did IVF at a, at a clinic in New York. So I moved, um, very early on in our pregnancy, started having coffees and meeting with folks and telling people I'm interested in starting a business. I'd love to have a co-founder. And after so many coffees, and introductions. I met Martine, my co-founder of the Lola, and we both connected on wanting to create a space and community to support women. Gotcha. So you were simultaneously building something new in a new city while also pregnant with your first. And, you know, I, I don't, I think there's never a good time to start a company because they often say it's like you're birthing. It's like your child, right? Mm -hmm. I don't, yeah, I definitely think that one of the worst times is <laughs> when you're having your first child but I did it with someone who has two kids who are just a few years older um than than my children and it was to support professional women and from the get-go we said to ourselves we need to better we need to get our stuff in order and be able to walk the walk if we are going to turn around and create this space where we want women to um connect and find a you know 
professional and personal lives where they can thrive with more ease and less hustle. So it was kind of like the perfect forcing function <laughs> to do a lot of self-reflection and figure out how can we do this in a way that works. Mm-hmm. Um, total work in progress still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that, I mean, I could, hearing you, you know, often bringing up the idea of community, wanting it to be a space for women, um, something that could be nurturing, you could feel good to come to before going more into the Lola, being that this was your first child, how, how was pregnancy delivered postpartum? Like how was the, the early moments of motherhood for you? Um, you know, moving to a new city, it felt isolating for sure. I was like walking around Atlanta and I was walking around. That's the key. Cause, <laughs> um, I refused to get a car and it was funny. Um, I would get stopped, like people would pull over. I was pretty pregnant, visibly pregnant. And some cars would pull over while I was walking on the sidewalk. We lived in Old Fourth Ford and I would get, ma'am, like, is everything okay? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> because not many people walk, you know, and the sidewalks aren't great for it either. But I would be walking around and it was hard. I, I didn't have the community. Honestly, I, I say I selfishly built the Lola community because it's so hard to make friends as adults. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the beginning sort of stages of it, it still felt very isolating. I spent most of my time at, at our townhome and, um, it was great in the, in the sense that I had a business partner who was super supportive. Um, she was trying to leave her corporate job so she could start, um, working on the idea with me. And I would check in month to month in my third trimester. And finally, when she, you know, the third or fourth time, she's like, I'm going to quit my job. I'm like, oh gosh, she's not going to do it before this baby comes. And sure enough, two weeks after our first daughter um, came, that's when Martine called me and said, I quit. But she was like, I obviously, she understands. She said, take your time. I need to take some time to figure, you know, my stuff out. And um, I was so excited and eager. I think a couple months after um, giving birth, we started looking at spaces that we could have our um, our women's club and community, which was too early because we hadn't even like raised the money and done all the things. But I remember having Elodie strapped to me, like touring a space and just sweating because I didn't realize how long that meeting would take and how that baby care. I've done it for like short walks, but not for like a couple of hours. I remember just like my back being completely drenched and I was trying to be professional with this little baby. (laughs) Um, But anyways, like all the things that you think like I can do this and, and and then in retrospect, you're like, that was not a good idea. (laughs) Being that, you know, for sure you wanted to build community. And and like you said, it can be really difficult to, you know, nurtured and, and start friendships when we are adults do you feel like having the Lola or even just like the beginnings of the Lola was something that could feel, I don't know, like nurturing or something to look forward to or pairing it with motherhood? Did it help? Like, cause it's kind of like two new things at once, like starting this new you know, business as well as new as being a mom too. Absolutely. I mean, if anything, that allowed me to, make it my job to network mm-hmm. and interact with moms who also were a little bit head, ahead of me. I think there's such value in building relationships and friendships with people who are a little bit ahead of you in parenting or in their career, or whatever it is. And, and that's one thing that we knew we wanted in our community. We didn't want it to be industry specific, age specific. We wanted it to span generations, industries, professions, because 
a lot of times when you have a job, you only, you kind of meet the same people, their peers around your same age, they do the kind of same thing as you. And there's so much value that you can get just hearing someone, other, someone else's perspective. We have makeup artists, we have estate planning attorneys, we have graphic designers, we have doctors in here. And it's been, I mean, personally, so fulfilling for me to be able to build relationships, learn about careers that I didn't even know existed, that people, you know, build amazing professional lives around, but also hearing their perspectives. Um, and then my biggest, my little testimonial, because we often try to capture these testimonials that we want to share out and promote, like the amazing connections and the amazing sort of benefits you get as a member. And mine um, to this day has been when my first daughter, Elodie, she's not a troublemaker. Our second one is more of a troublemaker, but there was one day at preschool and she sh um, where I got a call and it was a busy day of meetings at the Lolo. We had just opened and the teacher kind of with a little bit of panic in her voice, she said, you have to come get her. Mm. Um, she shoved a plastic bead up her nose and they actually tried to get it out, but they, they it ended up going up further, you know, where the bone is. And they're like, she's a liability. You got to pick her up. Yeah. Um, and I, I was at the, in the main lounge downstairs at the Lola. Um, and I remember I got off the phone and immediately like two or three moms in the community made eye contact with me. They could hear, you know, that that was a call from school and they all, they came to me and they're like, what's happening? I told them. And it was amazing. One of them was like, this happened, this exact thing happened to me. We ended up going to the emergency room, you know, a thousand dollars later, this <laughs> is what the doctor did, like, you know, eight hours and so much money later, this is what they did. So they coached me and they were like, so the beats, whatever knows the beats stuck in, plug the other one and wrap your mouth around your child's mouth and blow as hard as you can. So I walk into that school and the teachers, mind you, are not the most impressed with me because I drop her off late and I'm <laughs> <laughs> not on top of communication. I walk in there. She's on the sitting on the floor. All her friends are around her trying to look up her nose because she's like the interesting thing that's happening. And I, I plug her nose. I blow her mouth and the bead just shoots out. And oh, the teachers wow. look at me and they were like, how did you do that? I look like <laughs> a, I've never looked like such a hero in my life. <laughs> And I looked at them and I was like, you're keeping her. I'm going back to work. And I went back to work. I jumped into meetings. But like to have that, um, yeah, that community and that support. So immediately it saved me time. It saved me money. Like I'm really good friends with those women. <laughs> it's you like created that. That That is, that is amazing. <laughs> um, okay. So we were talking briefly about like the pandemic and having your second. And then also having this another business and having an older child um, at home. How was that time for you? I, you know, we were open for a very short seven months before the pandemic hit. So mm -hmm. it, it was crushing for our business. We are still pulling ourselves out of the effects of the pandemic. Um, I mean, it was, it was terrible for women in so many ways. And unfortunately we lost so many of our members because of the reasons that we've all heard layoffs, loss of childcare, having to support elderly immuno immunocompromised family members, you name it. Um, it was heartbreaking to see the emails come in from our members and, you know, hear the impact of, of COVID on them. Um, we were very fortunate to benefit from a lot of the loans and the grants um, to continue to survive because we still had to pay rent and all the building expenses, even though we shut down and basically um, didn't really have anyone come in for most of 2020, 2021, and 2022 is still really slow. 
but we are still here today. And a lot of it is because we have such loyal and supportive members who continue to pay for membership. Um, some of them we still haven't seen because again, I think 2023 is the first year since the pandemic that we're starting to see women start to invest in themselves again, right? Because that always drops to the bottom of the list. Okay. And it takes a while for them to come back out and use the space and community for themselves. Cause that's why we created it to invest in yourself and to invest in the community. Um, so it's been such a crazy, um, unimaginable challenge, but um, we're still here. And again, we have the most amazing women and members to thank for. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this was kind of like another situation where this was new territory, like of having to navigate um, the pandemic while running a business and then having a second child. What was that motherhood journey like with the second one for you? I think, you know, the silver lining of COVID, I definitely felt from um, a motherhood perspective. I, you know, I got to see, I got to be there for every single moment of mm-hmm. um, my younger kid and both kids. I think pre-pandemic, when I had my first daughter, I had like so many of us, this mindset of like this hustle mindset where I like get back to work. She was, we had a lot of evening events. She was sitting in the back as like a two and a three-year-old listening to us talk about menopause <laughs> and other things. <laughs> um, and I, that kind of just went, it went away, it completely went away during COVID. And as we started coming back out into the world, at my bar of, you know, how they say, when you become a parent, you give like less, less fucks. To <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that bar got even higher, right? Because you realize when you when there's more quiet and and you're able to just be more present for your kids and your family, you don't want to do away with that. So that was a gift for me. I think I would have really struggled with that um, without something fundamentally rocking, you know, all of our worlds. Um, and I just, that's a non-negotiable for me. I'm not willing to, I think like, I, I'm trying to give an example, but I think I might've, um, said yes or been up for like weekend meetings or late night meetings and now no absolutely not if anything I like laugh sometimes when someone's like something's on Sunday I'm like no no <laughs> not happening. the boundary yeah <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. it's the boundary thing that women often struggle to set and that was I I'm totally guilty of that as much as I strive for optimal work-life integration I think the thing that I struggle with is the boundary setting within that because I let it bleed in and out in like a good way, but also in a really bad way. And I think that the pandemic helped me um, redefine those boundaries and really make a thicker line <laughs> in the sand. Yeah. You know, something that I've been wanting to ask, you know, for myself, having a, a group practice, you know, trying to run that, manage that also wanting to be a present parent, but having kids who are in extracurriculars and having my own creative desires and endeavors balances almost like non-existent, like nothing can get a hundred percent attention at the same time. How do you, you know, running like a full company, having, you know, events and, and space and driving up revenue, but also having a husband and kids. How do you find balance in any of this? I'm with you. And I will say 
I've never been so aware of the mother. The, is it called the motherhood load or that yes. invisible work that we talked yeah. about on the panel together? I've never become so aware of that um, until after being a parent and, and assessing everything that you just described, because it's an, it's impossible. We are not set up for success. It's, it's, it's completely um, kind of like a lose lose. So I try to remind myself that this is a season because I think having kids under the age of, you know, five, two kids um, some, that you and I are in, it's a particularly busy season. And I know when they get older, it becomes less physically exhausting and more mentally and psychologically <laughs> exhausting. So there's always seasons to go through, but I try to remind myself that when I'm feeling down and feeling like I just can't get anything done. And again, I have a team that is so understanding and supportive. If anything, they remind me and kind of check myself when I try to do too much and try to oversubscribe. And I think a lot of that is setting that culture. Wow. Um, our, our summer intern actually told me one of the things, the thing that she loves the most about our team and culture is our um, tone for setting a great work-life balance, which I've never gotten before. Uh, wow. And as a 21-year-old, I was like, well, how do you value that so much already? Because I sure didn't at that age. But it's very much, she said, it's in everything that you do and say. You say this and then you execute it. And it's very intentional and it's thought out because a lot of times people say, oh no, I support work-life balance. And then I email you at two in the morning. And right, I respond, right? <laughs> um, so I think that we were able to find the right people and set that tone within my team. So if they are great gatekeepers of the boundaries that I'm trying to set. Um, and then at home, I still am guilty. I think I was mentioning to you, I got sick and it was really my body telling me that I had over oversubscribed not just to work, but I had my daughter's sixth birthday party. My husband was turning 40. We were getting ready to go to the beach with my extended family. And I was trying to do all these things and do work. And I think there are going to constantly be those moments in time where I'm like, I can do this. And really, it's like, you can't do all of it. And you have to let things go. And you have to ask for help. So I am still figuring it out. It's those moments, I think, really make like my brain hurt <laughs> in like <laughs> because it's just too much and it's you know we are planners we are project managers as moms and as parents for mm -hmm. ourselves for our jobs for our kids for our family I, I just that part of motherhood continues to blow my mind of how much of a weight like a mental weight that we all have and it's it's kind of it messes with your head and your confidence and how you feel about yourself um, so I'm such, I'm still a work in progress. I think it's always good to have other moms to be yeah. like, Hey, this mm -hmm. is happening. Yes. This resonates with me. It's not okay. Yes, absolutely. Have you always known the kind of mom that you wanted to be, or was that something that you kind of like evolved as you got into the role? That's a really great question. I don't think I've ever been asked that. <laughs> um, I think I always, I, I grew up being fiercely independent and always knowing that I wanted to be kind of like a career woman, always working and obviously free kids, that stuff can change. That mindset didn't change for me. I think COVID did help reset my mindset of being too busy and doing too many things and not seeing my kids and being as present. So that in itself, um, has changed me. I would say it, more so the pandemic than having kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just one thing that I kind of went into parenthood knowing is because my parents 
were first generation immigrants. And there was so much of that, like being in a new place and just sacrificing and surviving. They really raised my brother and I the same, even though we could not be more different in personality Uh. and strengths and weaknesses. And so going into motherhood, I always knew I wanted to really get to know my kids. But in practice, I don't think I really understood what that takes Um, because being away from them, you know, for the majority of the day and just seeing them at bedtime or when they wake up is not good enough. Now I really like actively carve out. I want to be there for all the things, all the extracurriculars, like you said, all the parent meetings and things that will help me get to know them better. Because if I can get to know them better, I can be, you know, hopefully I'll be their best advocate in any which way. Um, however they turn out, you know, similarly or differently. So that's a big thing that um, I think about a lot. And I'm excited to make sure that I I continue to be present for. Right. And what an example that you're setting for them of like, whatever you want to do, you know, whatever idea that you have, you can make it happen. Like how you can really like go from meeting people for coffee to creating a whole brick and mortar of a community of people and and you can have it both because you know like sometimes for women we're taught that you can't like be a career woman you can't be successful and have a family but you are showing your kids that you can (laughs) yeah and I love I love taking my daughters here I love when our members bring their um, daughters and the young women in their lives because to be able to show them there's a space that exists specifically for women. Um, and I always laugh my friend, my daughter's um, friend, I think they were five at the time. She got into our car one day for a play date and looked at me and said, my mommy said that you run a business that doesn't allow boys. <laughs> and she said it in such like an accusatory way. I thought it was hilarious. And I told her, I said, boys are allowed. They just can't stay. <laughs> and I just love seeing my daughter's reaction because she's like, was kind of aware of it, but we never really had a conversation that like boys are not allowed. I right. she just knew it was for girls. <laughs> um, so I love that there is a dialogue going at <laughs> that young out of an age. Um, okay, last question. Because you wear so many hats, how do you take care of yourself? What does your self-care regimen look like? What what feels good for you when Eileen pours back into herself? Um Right now it's acupuncture, which I've been wanting and curious to do. In fact, during pregnancy and and while I was doing fertility fertility treatments, it's just been hard to get in. Like once COVID hit, acupuncturists weren't taking on new clients because of safety. So I've been thinking about it for years. And I just this year, actually in January, I started doing it. And, you know, you have to find your thing. Um, And I always thought massages might be mine, but it's so expensive to do it. Um, on a regular basis. So anyways, I always struggled with spending money on me and investing in my own self care. But acupuncture is my thing. I it works for me, it helps calm me down every time I think my mind is racing when I walk into an appointment. The next thing I know it, I've I've fallen asleep because I'm so relaxed. (laughs) And as like a parent and a mom, I'm like anything that can do that without me knowing I'm like, that's a plus right that you because trying to force yourself to relax, I have, you know, struggle my mind starts racing even more when I'm telling myself to quiet. Um, but yeah, and just exercise and taking good care of myself. But it's hard. I again, remind myself I'm in the season of eating a lot of leftovers that my kids don't eat. Um, so I could eat better. But right now, 
the meal planning and all the things is just making it a little bit harder for that. So I try to ramp up some of the like moving every day, taking our dog on long walks to we were big Peloton fans. Um, but acupuncture is the new thing that I'm, I've been really excited about. I look forward to the appointment. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up for those that are listening, who want to become a part of this amazing community, um, can you tell us where do they need to go to join? What all is offered? Just a little bit more about those who want a membership to the Lola. Yeah, thank you for asking that. Um, so you can go to the-lola, L-O-L-A.com to find anything about us. Um, we You can sign up for a tour. We have a few different kinds of memberships. Our biggest one is includes access to our space. We're, we're um, right across the street from Ponce City Market in Old Fourth Ford. Um, so we got members get free parking, access to all of our meeting rooms. We have a podcast studio. We have a beauty room. We have a mother's and wellness room. So really um, have intentionally designed our space for women. And um, yeah, if you, I'm like, you can reach out to me. I'm Eileen, E-I-L-E-E-N at the-lola.com. Um, but we'd love to, to have you check us out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Eileen. It has been a pleasure talking with you and also super inspiring. I love, I love the space because I've gone to meetings at your space and it's beautiful. And and I also love decor. So I love all like the the colors and the furniture and it's very welcoming. And like I said, like when you go on Google, you guys have great reviews. Everyone raves about it. It's, it's an amazing space. I recommend anyone. Thank to you. Thank you. <laughs> Cozy with your